Hello, my pretties. Welcome to Under the Blanket. And no, this is not the Wicked Witch of the West. This is Robert Herelove, our show. That's the name I go by. But I'm sure all you out there have listened enough to know that I'm nobody special. It's all one. And um, we are under Mirage's blanket. And we are in his heart where we see that oneness. And today's episode uh, is going to be about cosmic humor and humor in general and how that relates to our awakening journey. And I have with me today Aaron Montgomery, author of Dirty Little Secret. And no, it's not what you're thinking, you pervert out there, thinking Dirty Little Secret is some sex book. It's not about that. Say hello, Aaron. Hello. It's good to have you on the show. I think this is like the seventh time we've done the show. I absolutely love being on the show with you. Thank you for inviting me again. Yes, okay. I really enjoy having you as well. So, any hoodly dooly, I guess I'll start us off. So, um, so, um, sorry, I was a little distracted because my partner, Elise, was whispering things to me about Woodstock, and yes, it is the anniversary of Woodstock, Elise, but that doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about, so there, to the moon, Alice, <laughs> now she's walking out, <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, I think she she really wants to be on the show, Erin, I've asked her to be on the show, but she she's a little shy, so I think that was uh-huh. her wanting to be on the show one day, maybe, okay. maybe one day she'll be ready, right? Maybe so. Maybe that was her way of inching in there a little bit. Yeah, I think that might have been that. And that's that's all good, because I do love her, you know, and uh, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, not in the way that I don't love you, listeners, because we realize when we get into real love that we are loving awareness. And that loving awareness doesn't take love as an object, like a, a person as an object, a dualistic kind of love. It's the kind of love that embraces the universe. As it is. Um, anyway, so we're going to talk about this cosmic humor. So I thought a great way to start us off would be that I do a, a cosmic humor practice when I uh, wake up, which is at different hours of the day because uh, I don't have any regular schedule. Uh, I wake up and I do my guided meditation, which is like a mindfulness, just being in the now and being with what arises and centering like that. And then I do a Hanuman Chalisa which uh, is like a devotional thing to my uh, higher self in the form of like a monkey Hanuman, which is a story from India about uh, service, serving the oneness and sort of thing. And then uh, the third thing, which applies to today's episode, is laughter. And I put on this uh, saint from India, Nanda Maima, and uh, she did just a, a, a short little video of her laughing. And it's kind of like, I guess people would call it like maniacal laughter. It's like really the mad laugh of the mad hatter kind of laughter. And I'll sit there and I'll laugh with her. And uh, when my partner's up, when we do this, she laughs too. And it's really, really beautiful. And um, when it really works, it gets me in touch with this place inside, which I call the cosmic joke. And uh, the cosmic joke is kind of hard to explain, but this is one way to explain it. Uh, Ramdas said, and I the show is uh, in that lineage. I thought I'd start us off with the way he describes it is like you go 
and you're on the spiritual path and you know you you kind of like some people they're power oriented and they're like well i want you know power to move mountains but jesus said if you have but faith you could move mountains so he's go and then all of a sudden you're doing all these practices and you're extricating yourself from the melodrama and ego trip and then you go and you see you are the one that put the mountain there in the first place and put everything there so there you are going you find out you you don't only have that power but you have all the powers and why would you even move the mountain when you have you were the one that put it there and that's that that kind of humor of liberation it's like and another someone put it like this buddha i think said this somewhere in one of the sutras he looked up at the stars and he just laughed at the perfection of it all it's not like on the schoolyard aaron where you know, maybe you grew up with a kind of school like this where the bully pushes someone down and laughs at them or someone has braces or someone has glasses and that, not that kind of ha ha, like like that Simpson show where that, that bully always goes ha ha. It's not that kind of laughter. It's a laughter that includes the part of all of us that is liberated, that has returned to what you would probably call the source and in that source of that, that total liberation, return to that oneness of all the energy, that's the kind of laughter. We're all laughing together there, backstage in the here and now. So anyway, I thought that would be a great place to start. So Aaron, uh, how about you take it away from here with your uh, ideas or thoughts or whatever you have to say about humor and cosmic humor and how it relates to our awakening. How did, does it work for you, for example? Well, I think that this that is an excellent introduction to this cosmic humor and the and the joke that life really can be. One of the um, you know, I follow a lot of mythology and read a lot about um, different mythological creatures. And one type of being I keep getting drawn to over and over again is the trickster. And you're going to find trickster in all cultures. Right. You've got coyote. Um, you've got. Hermes. Um, there are there are tricksters in every single mythology, and all of these tricksters do things that bring laughter upon them. And and um, I find myself becoming very much a trickster in my own life. I find I get myself into these situations that I can't get out of, and the only thing I can do <laughs> is just laugh because oh my god, look at what I've done. And I find that other people are laughing at me too. But the the point is is that just that i put the mountain there like you said and the tricksters help society to see look at how foolish you're being look at how ridiculous you are because look at how ridiculous i am and i'm just showing you what you look like they are mirrors right look at your hypocrisy look at how ridiculous you are look at what you've done to yourselves isn't this silly and and I and I absolutely love the trickster for that. And um, well, I often like, use it know, in my job. That's OK. Oh, I was just going to say I use it in my job as a therapist and, and holding this mirror up like, are you, are you sure? That's because <laughs> this is what I'm seeing. And that sounds pretty silly. Um, you know, I use humor in in the therapy room. I use, you know. I use humor in my own life and it really is just an eye opening, like, oh my gosh, how silly I have been and look at how far I've actually come through this, you know, whatever it is that I'm going through. Yeah, I made me think of, you know, you, you, uh, you're you about to catch the bus 
and you're you just like a minute late, and the bus is leaving, and you can't run down and chase it, which some people try to do, and then it starts raining, and you know, and then like you said, all you could do is laugh. It's that humor about your own predicament, because here you are in a plush popsicle, just because the bus getting rained on, and you're everything. You're the cosmic all. You're you're this completely uh, all the dimensions, infinite dimensions, all of it. And here you are in a little person that just missed the bus and it's raining. And, you know, what can you do but laugh? And that, and then all of a sudden, you're not as hung up, maybe, about missing the bus in the rain. And you're sitting, in fact, that might, that may have been uh, something that helps that person be able to overcome, you know, that attachment to how we think it should be. You know, we, I, I, I noticed that in the ego situation, we think the world should be a certain way. I shouldn't miss the bus. I should you know, the world shouldn't have this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, with that humor, it puts a perspective that maybe we don't have all the answers as human beings. You know? <laughs> right. Or maybe we already do have all the answers and we're just making mountains out of molehills, creating problems because of this should. You know, we should do this. We ought to do that. But who is dictating that it is? not necessarily ourselves, but some sort of overarching, either cultural, societal idea of the way life should be. Yeah, it's kind That's of like not when what you get to that, role of, that realm of should, it's like you're taking a big should on the universe, you know, a dirty, <laughs> should. you know, what about appreciating it as it is? It's really hard, though, sometimes when we're really hung up about stuff, you know? You know, that is very true. Um, Just the other day, my oldest child and I, who have not had an easy relationship at all, spent many, many years arguing, not even talking to each other and things like that. But we spent about four hours sitting and talking and laughing. And that is all we did was we just laughed and we pulled up all of these memories um, you know, from our past and laughed about it. And we even acknowledged in the moment that we, <laughs> this sure wasn't funny at the time it was happening, but now we can see the humor in it and the healing and freeingness of the laughter and, and the bonding that happened in that moment was absolutely phenomenal. And if we had not been able to see the humor and, and put ourselves in perspective and see ourselves as these historic beings with flaws, you know, I don't, you know, it, I, it's hard to describe just that level of healing and, and understanding and bonding that we had in that moment. Yeah, and this kind of humor and laughter that we're talking about, this cosmic, is way different. Now, I'm not putting down the other kind of humor, like you can go and say, watch Dave Chappelle or, uh, you know, um, these comedians, Ice, uh, Eliza Schlesinger is a famous uh, woman comedian. She's really funny. You watch her. She does like these dolphin sort of sheep dolphin sounds about like rich white women walking around the city drunk. And it's, it's really hilarious. But like, is that, uh, you know, uh, that kind of humor is, like a lower level humor, perhaps, you know, it's like you got sexual humor and you got dark humor, you got uh, like lowbrow, you got the humor that kind of satirizes figures and cultures and you got like all that kind of like humor that's that the politically correct people are very upset with these days. And uh, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I'm saying all that humor is like 
on a certain level. And that even that humor, what does that humor do? It, it, do, it helps give a lighter perspective. It helps give space. That's an important kind of humor, too. But this other kind of humor, it connects us with everything. And I thought maybe you could speak about, you know, what about how would you deal with the differences between types of humor? You know, some person, they could hear a joke and be find it very offensive and be hurt by it. And another person could find it really funny. And then some people won't know what we're talking about with this cosmic humor. So perhaps you can address that. Hmm. Well, I think that, you know, there are many different levels of humor and, and I'm, I might not be interested in listening to fart jokes, per se. I mean, I really don't care. However, the energy of the laughter that it produces is helpful in the people that are laughing. And perhaps that's what it is. If you cannot laugh, you cannot rise up to the next level. You know, you have to be able to let go and you have to be able to lighten up. And that is, you know, that's what people say, like, well, you just need to lighten up. And how do you do that is you go have a good time and you laugh. And I think that as we progress and grow through our spiritual awakenings and understanding of ourselves and our culture and our world and our universe or, you know, however, the more we understand, we cannot lose that laughter. We still have to lighten up. And even so, Every time we lighten up, that raises our vibration because we can vibrate even higher and that will move us more into this cosmic understanding and this cosmic realm. And yes, there is humor even there as well and, and continuing to see the humor and bring it into our worlds and, and lightening up and increasing the vibration and seeing more and more outside of you know the normal five senses that you and I have talked about before in other shows but this is just another way to do that and um as you know as a contactee with um alien beings they too use humor and so that's a very cosmic cosmic type of humor and um it just really starts to break down those barriers and um it doesn't matter what you laugh at, I guess, you know, whatever level of humor you're at, it doesn't matter. Just keep on laughing. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you brought up uh, extraterrestrials or uh, cosmic beings. Or, you know, there's many terms for it. Most people say, oh, the aliens. And it sounds kind of like I like to say that's the A word, you know, because it's like <laughs> here they are. Oh, they're the aliens. And every movie is about them blowing everything up, except, of course, Starman and you other ones about that but anyway you talked about their humor i relate with that um when i was abducted and i went on the ship um i might as well get into a little refresher if people don't remember the story so i was meditating and they abducted my astral body and it was like uh it's more vivid than the experience of the physical realm and it, it there was a sense of People understand intuitive validity that you just trust the experience uh, that you you don't have to be proven it scientifically. You just you know you know inside, not in the sense of I know, but in the sense of it just makes sense to that beyond the rational mind thing. Anyway, so you know the, you got the ship and it's like they they had the it looked like frog skin, metallic frog skin, and there's these beautiful tall white gray beings that are really tall and they had these infinite fractals with colors I've never seen and that sort of thing and that screen came down. Well, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but there was a part where after they were showing me all these space phenomena like nebula and then they were uh, showed me these different planets 
that were, um, you know, not working out, that there were people, there, the beings there were dying uh, of uh, disease and other beings, they had had wars and all, and it was like, and it was just showing me these processes uh, on the screen. And all the, I was really um, got in my ego and I started being scared that was gonna happen to Earth. And I was like, oh no. And I was like, I was freaking out a little bit. And plus it's like weird being on the ship and already I was feeling weird. And um, all, and then all of a sudden they start laughing. And I, I was uh, kind of upset that they thought that was funny or somehow. And I just don't think I understood their humor at that moment. But then they sort of showed me, it's like the laughter was that they understood that Earth could, that could not happen to Earth. From their perspective, they told me they had selected the planet. Like, you know, a person would an ant farm. It's like you have all the ants out there that have ant hills, and they an ant might that ant hill might get rained on and not work out in that sense of prospering as an ant hill. But then you have the ant farm that's protected by the glass and the person takes good care of it and so on and so forth. I think, so that's a way to understand it. Like, And uh, they told me that this planet would reach the next level of evolution, of getting to the cosmic consciousness, the oneness and all that. So then I understood they were laughing because they knew that me as a being of oneness knew what that, that that would happen, understood and grokked that that would all be okay. And it was only my ego that was uh, freaking out about it. So mm-hmm. I don't know, like, you can explain that to someone. And then I, I could look back and see the, the, the cosmic humor of that. Like, like you were saying about before, like you look back and you have that wisdom of having been through all that and you have that space of it's in the past and now you're laughing at it, even though it might have been a horrible thing in your childhood but now you're laughing at it and you can see humor in it and like seeing humor in really sticky horrible situations but once you get away from that situation all of a sudden you're laughing about it and it's not a big deal and that you know uh, I think is what that humor was with them you know relating to, it was similar to that from describing in human terms and all that. So perhaps you could go into some details of your experience of the humor with these beings, if you don't mind. Oh, sure. There's there's so many different times that I have just just found myself laughing about what was going on. Um, oftentimes, these beings, in order to protect us as humans, when they when they take us from our rooms and our places that we're used to, we'll, we'll use an image, like a screen image is what we call it. Um, you know, something that we, when we look at them, we see something different than what they really look like. And I remember very early in my experiences, I would have been in my early 20s, um, I woke up to the blankets being pulled off the bed really quick. And I blinked, you know, woke up and I was looking at the end of the bed and the Golden Girls <laughs> were standing there from, you know, the old 80s TV show. And I was like, okay, Which guys, I, Girl, you got to share that. Oh, uh, there were three, all three, well, the three, um, not Sophia, everybody but Sophia. So there was Blanche, Dorothy and um, Rose Who were Betty there. White? Betty White was Rose. And so those three <laughs> were at the end of the bed. And, and I, you know, it made me laugh, but it also made me realize like, okay, okay, I'm about to have an experience. Um, but they eased me into it in a very funny way. Um, I don't know if they knew that I would 
find it so humorous. I don't know if they just went rummaging through my brain, like, okay, this won't scare her, <laughs> you know, pulling out these memories. Um, but I've also had an experience once with my second, no, third husband. Yeah, that's funny in and of itself. But um, we were at a friend's house and we had been talking about contact and knowing both of us were contactees. He's like, it's, it's probably not real. I probably made it all up. And and we went to sleep and he got up in the middle of the night and was gone for like three hours. And I was aware of it. And he came back and we asleep and, and uh, he woke up in the morning with a really strange image in his mind that he couldn't understand. And it was a scoreboard like on a football field. And it said, humans zero aliens one he's like i don't get it and i just busted out laughing because i knew he had been taken in the night you were gone for three hours like no i just got up to go pee you didn't pee for three hours (laughs) they took you and it's really freaking funny because you were saying that was a bunch of crap (laughs) so so there you go um, well with regard to that um i had something to say Specifically, now all of a sudden it left my mind. So uh, I'm feeling that it was something about, oh, yeah, well, I don't know what it was, but something else is coming. So the spaciousness that comes with this laughter and humor, I find uh, maybe someone out there could try this. Like there's a laughter yoga and laughter therapy um, where you go and you do a little like ha, ha, ho, 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 and then you laugh. And they say some people call it fake it till you make it, but I don't think it's a mm-hmm. proper way to say it is fake it. You just laugh. It's faking it is putting this whole big uh, laying the trip on someone about it. But I think it's just forcing a laugh. You could call it maybe. So it's like you do this little chant and you laugh. And there, there's all kinds of places all over the country and the world now where they do laughter therapy or laughter yoga. And you might want to check out someone. Uh, check out YouTube. And look, the funniest video ever made, laughter therapy. And there's a video of all these people that were just have these diagnoses of health problems, like terrible uh, health problems. And they're sitting there and they say, my name is Janet. And then they laugh. <laughs> like that. And then they say, I was just diagnosed with MS. <laughs> it's like that, like you were saying, all you could do is laugh. And, you know, there's a, I've been to an actual uh, laughter uh, when I was an activity therapist uh, uh, years and years ago when I actually did a, a, a job. I went to an activity therapy conference and it was like me, like four other guys and all women. So I was in heaven, you know. Anyway, so besides that, there was one section where it was uh, laughter therapy. Of course, I had to sign up for that class. So I go in there, and they trained you in how laughter therapy, the different chants. You get a whole group of people, and the one that's really, I remember specifically, is the lawnmower. You know, the lawnmower is you pull the string, and it goes, and you do it like a laugh. You're pulling the string, and and then you start the lawnmower. And it's like, oh, my God, it was one of the best times ever. And that's sort of like the laughter I do. And when I wake up with my practices, so you know, how does that sort of apply? Like, is it? You have you ever been in a situation where you just, you know, kind of pushed it a little bit? Like, I just have to laugh, even though you don't find anything fun. Well, you know, there's there's one thing that comes to mind when you talk about that. Uh, At my brother's wedding, we were in Ireland, and he had hired 
uh, a shaman to to well, it was a shaman and a druid both, and they were officiating, and uh, we were having dinner. Everybody was eating dinner, and she started laughing, and it was the loudest most gregarious laugh I have ever heard. And many of us started laughing with her, but I noticed several people around the room getting very uncomfortable with the laughter. And um, I was able to talk to her later, like, what, what were you doing? And she said, I was breaking up the energy in the room. There was too much heaviness in here and it needed to be, you know, opened up and lightened up. And so laughter is used in so many different forms in healing, especially, which is where you're going to be seeing that, you know, the, the laughter therapy and the laughter yoga. And now I'm seeing laughter in shamanic practices and it's, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And of course this uh, program or podcast is named uh, under the blanket. So I wouldn't be right not to mention Maharaji and he was all about cosmic humor and laughter in his Leela with his devotees, and if anyone sets out Love Everyone by Pravati Marcus, there's so many funny stories in there about how people would interact with this guy with just a blanket, this old man in a blanket, and it was fun times for a lot of people uh, with laughter and humor to help them get to those spiritual states of consciousness. So anyway, one particular story that really might resonate with someone or definitely resonates with me, and uh, it's important, and it is he was... He was walking along. Now, he has those, like you were talking about, the extrasensory stuff. So he's walking along, and he tunes in, you know, that one of his devotees that's involved in his lineage has passed on uh, just as they were, you know, going along the road or something. And uh, the person's like, what are your, your, your oldest, that was one of your oldest devotees, and, you know, uh, and, all, they, and they just passed on, and then, Maharaji just starts laughing. You know, usually when you find out someone passed on, what do you do? And you knew them and you're involved in that with them. What do you do? You cry. You freak out. You go through the processes of grief. Now, he just starts, as soon as he tells them that this person just passed on, and later they find out this is true, that he just starts laughing. And his devotee is kind of like pretending. And he's like saying, well, you're a butcher. How dare you laugh? That was one of your most important devotees, and you're sitting there laughing, like saying, like, that's what someone would might think that doesn't understand this kind of laughter or humor about death. And all of a sudden, he says, well, would you rather me be like one of the puppets, you know, and in the sense of being pulled around by life, any little thing that happens, someone dies, you lose your job, all this stuff, you, you, our attachments, aversions, and desires, things don't go the way we think we could in our, our ego. What happens? We break apart, we suffer, we go through all these things, but a liberated, you know, Buddha-type realized being or whatever, they wouldn't be upset by that. So it's like that laughter of liberation, that they're not caught up in the melodrama of life. It's not saying, ha-ha, we don't care about... Um, uh, that people suffer over the death or anything. It's not that, like, ha-ha schoolyard bully laughing when someone falls. It's that laughter of he's not attached to that person and the laughter of just the joy of life and we live and we're born and we die and we're reborn and all that process of life. Why do we have to get so hung up? Why do we have to be the puppet that's pushed around by life? Can we return to the source within us and see that we are not all hung up about anything that we're at peace with at all so much that we can even laugh 
Now, I wouldn't suggest sending anyone out there. Go to a funeral and start laughing. But on the inside, you feel free to laugh. So, anyway, so, Aaron, I re- we're coming to the end of the show. So, I want to thank you for doing the show. So, maybe you could end the show with a knock-knock joke. Do you know any? Hmm. Knock-knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange, you glad I didn't say banana again? <laughs> you know, I've heard that joke so many times, <laughs> and I just found it really funny the way you said it. That goes to show you could see old jokes in a new way. And I got all and with my own not joke. So Buddha comes up uh, and goes, and this is Buddha. Uh, wait, wait, I'll make sure I get this right. No, no. Wait, did he say who's there? Wait, I can't. So not. Oh yeah, not the person goes knock knock, and then Buddha goes, or no, Buddha goes knock knock, and the person goes who's there, and Buddha says no one, there is no self, and then it says <laughs> at the bottom of the meme, Buddha is no fun at knock knock jokes. <laughs> right? So, you know, I've seen like, that one. Buddha's laughing all of, uh, forever with us. So, anyway, I just thought that it was, I saw it as a meme. So, anyway, <laughs> this is this has been Under the Blanket uh, with your host, Baba Hirlove and Aaron Montgomery, author of Dirty Little Secret. Check it out on Amazon. Links available uh, in the description of the episode. And here we're going to end with some laughter, yoga, and just laugh with me, Aaron. Let's go. One, two, three. <laughs> Already <laughs> I can't even breathe now. <laughs>